Good morning, friends. Here we are once again. The Early Bird Podcast Sessions. Stefan Maia with you. Addedsouls.com is the website. How you doing, man? How's it going? Everything going okay? We're Thursday. We are Thursday. You know, we French people, we got to put that H next to the T when pronouncing English words like th, th. th. My dad, he, uh, he still has too much French in him. So he'll be like, Thursday. Thursday, Thursday. Look at the look at the trees, the threes. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Hope you're doing well on this AM, ten o'clock Atlantic Daylight Time over here in New Brunswick, Canada. Friends, it's good to have you. Our session, topical session on Thursdays. It's our topical sessions. That is the theme of the day, and um, we're gonna read an article from our friends again over at Apologetics Press. Dot org apologeticspress.org and the title description of the brief article is how can a loving god send souls to hell how can a loving god do that it's not fair a loving god wouldn't do that would he of course not I hated God for many years, decades, hated God. Really, I had a loathing thought of God. He's in the way, he's just evil, he he takes people I love and sends them to hell. Well, I don't want to follow a God like that, it's just not fair. For what? Well, I mean, we're not like rapists and murderers. Sure, we like to party a bit, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll stuff, but... Man, it's just natural. It's what we do. I mean, here we are. If it if it's such a bad thing, why is it available? And here I have to hear about a loved one passing away here and a loved one passing away there, and somehow they're not in heaven? That a loving God sends someone to hell that I love? No, that can't be right. There's no such thing. If it's a if he's a loving God, as he says he is, then ultimately everyone goes to heaven. Because I mean even murderers and rapists have moms and dads somewhere, right? I mean, I wouldn't send them to heaven. I'd send them to hell. But God loves us, so he sends everyone to heaven. And that is indeed now pretty much the standard theology of most denominational oceans. Even the religion we were given, born and weaned into, if you will, through our ancestry for, well, centuries. Uh, there was a time when they had boundaries as well, and they said, well, if you do this, you might have to go to purgatory for a while, you know, that kind of stuff. But now it's, everyone goes to heaven. Atheists go to heaven. Hey, pagans, heathens, who cares? We all go to heaven ultimately, because God's a loving God, and he forgives us all on the day of judgment. <laughs> Is that true, though? Is that a reality? Is that sound? Is that objective? Well, it doesn't really matter if we live in the world of relativism anyways. Relativism or pluralism or emotionalism and the many other isms out there. And uh, the world takes offense of the uniqueness, of course, the narrow path. That's why they want us involved with uh, syncretism uh, and polytheism. They want us involved with the isms. Not only in the world of theology do they want us in the isms of erroneous positions, but uh, they also want us there in the realm of sociopolitical affairs, right? The isms over there as well. So, um, why would a loving God send souls 
to hell. Well, he wouldn't. And that's how, what I believed for a long time. And it, it, we have to be honest with each other. The truth is the truth, right? And again, it doesn't matter if there is no truth. That's, again, if you fall prey to the realm of isms, you know, there is no truth to be known. So therefore, I will create my own truth. And I know it is my own truth because I feel it. Relativism, pluralism, emotionalism. Once we fall into those is isms, we adhere to uh, syncretism and to polytheism. And then the world loves us and it doesn't matter. We all get along in our confusion and divisions because uh, we can do what we want to do. Because ultimately, God's going to send us all to heaven because he's a loving God. And if he sends someone to hell, well, then he's not a loving God. And that's our description of uh, what we believe takes place there. And I believed that for a long time. But it's just, I hated God. I really did. I had great, um, I just couldn't accept it. No, no way. Not going to happen. Well, you live a bit of life. You're humbled. You get to see things and experience things. And uh, recognize that we were, I was blaming God for stuff that wasn't God's fault at all. It's not the judge's fault. It's not the judge's fault if you were caught as a murderer. And the evidence and the eyewitnesses and the video and all that is brought to light in court, an honorable court that practices justice in an honorable way. Well, it's not the judge's fault that the individual who chose to murder, murdered. He got caught, now he's going to do time in jail, life in jail perhaps, even capital punishment in certain locations. Uh, the family finds justice. They'll never have rest from the sorrow of losing a loved one to the hands of a murderer. But at the very least, the measurement of justice was allowed to them, which gives them a bit of, uh, how should I say, Tranquility, if that can be permitted. Justice was had. Yeah. Who would go into that courtroom next to those parents who lost their child to a murderer? The judge sentences the murderer because the evidence is overwhelming. It's an objective, absolute fact that the individual is guilty of murdering that child. These parents, who would go to those parents and be like, well, you know, the judge is a loving judge, so he should set that murderer free. Is that how we reason now? Is that how this works? Well, of course not. There'd be an uproar and turmoil and uh, civil unrest and perhaps even civil uh, chaos and uh, violence. I mean, look at the chaos of today's current culture, enamored in godlessness. They throw up arms when a criminal is put in jail. How dare you set that man in jail? It must be racism or something. Well, no. In an honorable court of law, if an individual is a public delinquent or certain criminal acts have been uh, practiced and caught, and the individual must go to jail. We understand that. We want that. You're the store owner in which they broke in, burnt it down, and stole everything in there. Well, you want justice. You want the judge to put these criminals in jail for a, for a given period of time, pending on the severity of the crime and what took place there. So we understand justice is what I'm saying. That's why in my youth, while I was rebelling against God and the idea of God and the idea of a, of a hell and that kind of stuff, I also rebelled against, well, you guessed it, law. 
Oh, man, I couldn't stand police officers. What we used to call pigs. Well, there goes the bacon. Yeah, we couldn't stand the, we couldn't stand the, the police officers. Those who could be corrupted, we paid off, of course, and you'd be surprised at the ones who can be corrupted and paid off, typically of the certain political persuasion. Well, yeah, so we, I mean, how do we make sense of all these things? Well, it takes a humble heart, first and foremost. We need to be willing to learn something in life and learn what is reality. You see, because reality, which is the truth and objective absolute, standard of our existence sets us free from the bondage of myth and uh, lies and deception and things that are not real things that are lawless I wish I would have wanted to figure these things out earlier in life I would have saved myself a lot of scars a lot of consequences and I'm sure you think the same way if you are a logical reasonable individual so we want to read an article that's going to, of course, lead us to scriptural truth, the Bible, in regards to the question. Why would a loving God send souls to hell? Why would a loving judge send a murderer to capital punishment or the rest of his life in jail? Why would he do that? You see how this works? You're starting to connect the dots here. Okay, housekeeping, by all means, friends, please consider to subscribe to the channel. Please consider liking and sharing, sharing emojis and stuff like that, giving a comment. Share the link far and, and far and wide. Helps the Added Souls studio content and the substance therein uh, reach individuals like you and I who perhaps find value in these things and perhaps it benefits our faith. It should. I try my best. So that we can have practical application, know how to govern our thoughts in line with the penmanship of the Holy Spirit. So that when these questions arise, why would a God, a loving God, send anyone to hell? Send souls to hell? Why? Well, we have an answer to that. I had to ask those questions. I asked those questions and there were no answers, so I thought, in my rebellion and pride. But once you truly open up your thoughts to become a free thinker, no longer shackled in a dungeon, if you will, by the restraints of a godless worldview, well, then you open up and think to yourself, I just want to find out. I mean, what's the worst that can, what's the harm in, in seeking out why these Christians believe in a God and a heaven and a hell and all these kind of stuff? I mean, what's the, the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to find out they're all a bunch of fools and I'm going to keep living as a heathen. However, I was ready to count the cost, mind you. I was ready to think to myself, now if everything is true in regards to Christianity and the Bible is an inspired book and it is real and I, I need to find out how to become educated in the Christian religion and that things are true, well, then I have to be ready to just accept that. Now, I can accept the truth and deny it and reject it, and many have. In the first century, it was the same thing. The truth was being provided by a man named Jesus, a man who walked among us here on earth 2,000 years ago. He provided the evidence. He had the supernatural power to confirm the authority of his word, the fulfillment of the scriptures. He did. It was there. And many religious leaders saw it with their own two eyes. So they believed him, no doubt. They just chose not to follow him. They chose to reject the truth. 
The devil and the demons know who Jesus is. They saw him as well, and they believe in him, no doubt. They just choose to rebel against him and be in opposition. So you can know that the truth is there. One plus one makes two. You can just tell yourself, well, you know, I prefer it making three. And I would, of course, honor you a lot more and respect you in your honesty if you at least said, I know that's what the truth says. I see it there. I recognize the evidence. I know that. I just choose not to follow it. Now, that's a very miserable existence. And I know that existence. I've lived in that realm as well. I know the truth. I just don't want to follow it. <laughs> that's high-handed rebellion. But at the very least, it's transparent. At least you know the truth. You see it. You just choose not to follow it. I'd much rather that than, well, no, it's just not true. Well, it is. It's actually, you know, if you put one apple next to another apple, you have two apples. No, 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 that's not what I see there. Oh, well, it is. It's a reality. You just choose not to uh, adhere to it, I suppose. So all those things, right? That kind of stuff. Friends, my name is Stefan Maier. AddedSouls.com is the website, right? AddedSouls.locals.com is the location you want to go and sign up to. You can support the work there. Please consider it. Also, if you seek to send a donation, you can go through uh, PayPal. The email address, AddedSouls at gmail.com. Uh, I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada, a beautiful growing church. Get involved. Contact us. Study with us. We're on the East Coast, and we belong to Jesus. So, therefore, in a very innocent, childlike mind, East Coast Church of Christ. We're on the East Coast, and we're a church that belongs to Jesus Christ. I'm well aware, we are well aware, that there are denominations out there or cult-like denominations and things that hold the name of Christ, might call themselves the Church of Christ or perhaps of Latter-day Saints or whatever what. Uh, we're well aware of that, but we are autonomous. We do not belong to any branch or headquarters on this earth or anything like that. We are seriously autonomous. And perhaps you are disenfranchised with these religious organizations out there and the ocean of denominationalism and Maybe you want to reach out to us and study with us. We'd love to have you. We've been growing. So uh, with that said, let's uh, bring forth the article, shall we? There we go. How can a loving God send souls to hell? This is an article from our friends over at apologeticspress.org, and I encourage you to go check them out. They helped me a great deal when I was trying to make sense of Christianity and faith and knowing if it's defendable. Because the world thinks that true and pure Christianity... Well, they don't know true and pure Christianity. That's the problem. The world has only been able to experience Christianity created in the image of men. And men create Christianity in their own image for their own selfish ambitions. Drenched in hypocrisy and self-righteousness and all these kind of things. Well, if we humble ourselves to seek Christianity in the image of the Christ through the revealed inspired word there's quite the uh, difference there's a difference there there really is I had to find that out independently of my own accountable mind blessed with free will of course all of us are so there's a difference there and I encourage you again to reach out to us and study with us you'll see here you can 
freely think, you can ask questions, we can investigate, we can reason together. The purpose, of course, to arrive to a like-minded thought in the doctrine and judgment, righteous, upright, not filled and drenched with hypocrisy. To investigate the pure image of the Christ according to the penmanship of the Holy Spirit, what has been confirmed both in inspired history and secular history. How can a loving God send souls to hell is a wonderful question. It's a necessary question. It's a question we many of us have asked. Well, if you go out there with the thousands of churches who claim to be Christian churches, you're going to get all kinds of different answers because they've all been created with the ambition of their own image, what they want Christianity to look like. That's why you have people saying, well, my God wouldn't do that. Well, my Jesus would never say that. You just made yourself your own God. That's what happens there. How can a loving God send souls to hell? Article from our friends over at apologeticspress.org, the author of this article, our brother Eric Lyons. And uh, let's get into it, shall we? The Bible's teaching, I quote, The Bible's teaching on the reality of eternal punishment for unbelievers has perhaps, quote, made more atheist than any other teaching of Scripture. There is no God. You know why? Look at all the evil around here. There'd be no hell if there'd be a loving God. There'd be no such thing as a hell. Everyone gets to go to heaven. Look at all the evil that's taking place. Earthquakes and tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes and car accidents and murderers and rapists. There is no God. There'd be a God, there'd be no evil. Ever said that one? Ever thought that one? Ever believed that one? I did. We keep reading. After expressing that he did not quote, believe one can grant either super superlative, oh, here we go again, these words I can't pronounce. I'm not as uneducated as a lot of people, I'm not educated. Okay, after expressing that he did not, quote, believe one can grant either superlative wisdom or the superlative goodness of Christ as depicted in the Gospels, Popular early 20th century agnostic Bertland Russell indicated that he was not concerned. He was not concerned about what other people said about Christ, but with Christ as he appears in the Gospels. That's interesting. Again, the Bible's teaching on the reality of eternal punishment for unbelievers has perhaps made more atheists than any other teaching of Scripture. After expressing that he did not believe one can grant either wisdom or the goodness of Christ as depicted in the Gospels, popular early 20th century agnostic Bertland Russell indicated that he was not concerned about what other people said about Christ, but with Christ as he appears in the Gospels. Are you going to follow quote-unquote, Christianity in the image of men? Or are we going to seek the pure, unadulterated, upright truth of the gospel created in the image of the scriptures, the image of God, the penmanship of the Holy Spirit? How so? The article continues. In his widely dis uh, distributed pamphlet, 
why I am not a Christian. <laughs> Here's why I am not. The simple answer, of course, to that, to that question at all times, even when I was saying it, is lawlessness. It's really that simple. I'm not a Christian. Why? Because I want to live in sin and not feel guilty. I just want to do what I want to do, and then I want to die and go to heaven. In, 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 in a childlike uh, surface answer, why are you not a Christian? Because I want to sin. I just want to do stuff. I want to fornicate. I want to be an adulterer. I want to get high all the time. I want to just live the life of rock and roll. I want to be famous. I want to, be, I want to, I want to do what I want to do. And I don't want to feel guilty about it either. Don't judge me. Don't you dare tell me I'm wrong. I want to do all these things and live like I want to live. And I want all the chocolate cake I want to eat and all the cookies. And I want to stay up late every night and watch uh, uh, rubbish on TV and play Nintendo games. And I want to die and go to heaven. And I want to be told I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm being a bit humorous with it if you've. You know, if the first time you're tuning in, I apologize. This is, this is what happens over here. But it, it, it's, I mean, it, it, that's, that's what we do. That's what we do in a very simplistic way. Now, it's, it's serious business. It really is. I mean, we're telling God, I don't want to be a Christian because I want to do what I want to do. I want to live in sin. I want to be lawless. I want to practice things that are destructive and chaotic that'll destroy my life with all sorts of consequences. I want to do that because it's pleasurable. Yes, I know it's momentary. It has an expiration date very close. This life is a vapor. I know that, but it's fun and it's pleasurable. And I truly enjoy pleasing this flesh. So don't tell me I'm wrong and I'm tired of feeling guilty over this. So therefore, we're all animals there is no God. We are products of primordial soup. Nothing exploded into something. It's all just a matter of uh, 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 instinct. We're slaves to the dance of our DNA. We're all animals. There is no heaven or hell. There is no up or down. There is no good or evil. Everything is subjective, and I can do what I want to do and not feel guilty. Now leave me alone. That sound familiar? I sang that song for many years. With the violin. The devil went down Georgia. So we keep reading the article. Why I am not a Christian, Russell argued. He says, there is one very serious defect in Christ's moral character. <laughs> to me, that sounds so foolish now, knowing what I know. But that would have been, like, reasonable. That would have been like, yeah, brother, amen, you tell those crazy Christians. How man, the molded, can somehow usurp authority over the creator, the great divine power and intelligence that has engineered all good things in order. Yeah, we, we yeah, sure. Yeah, we have the ticket there to just show up before him and be like, hey, you know what? I have a beef with you. He quotes, there is, or I quote from what he said, there is one very serious defect in Christ's moral character. And that is that he believed in hell. How dare he? You know, Christ spoke more about hell than he did heaven. I wonder why. Do we teach our children more so in regards to the concerns of this life? Do we bring a awareness to them of all the, the dangers more so than 
anything else? I think we do, right? No, don't do that. You get hurt. No, don't go there. You get hurt. <laughs> I do not, he says, I do not myself feel that any person who is really profoundly uh, humane can believe in everlasting punishment. I just cannot fathom the thought. It's ridiculous. He further says, Christ certainly, as depicted in the gospel, did believe in an everlasting punishment. So therefore, I cannot believe in Christ. I refuse to believe in Christ, Jesus, because he believed in hell. And no good, loving God would send anyone to hell. Right? Because hell is forever. You mean to tell me I did this little sin over here on earth for a few years and now i got to spend eternity in hell? Well, that's not fair. That was a good one, though, isn't it? That's a good argument, isn't it? I used that one for a long time. Yeah, come on now. We're going to live on this life. We're going to make a few mistakes. We're going to do what we want to do for a little while, and then we got to die and go to a, a, an eternal torment forever over a small little period of time. Some of us only get to do this for about 10, 20 years. What are you kidding me? I'm going to do 20 years of uh, living like I want to live, fornicate, adultery, whatever, what, you name it. Now I got to die and go to eternal hell, you know, forever? No, that's not right. There, I, I don't believe in God. There is no God. You ever try that one out? I did. We keep reading the article. over Our friends over at apologeticspress.org. Consider subscribing to the channel. Eh? Come on, what are you going to do? All you need to do is just subscribe. Subscribe to the channel to get to have this kind of content. Subscribe to the channel. Give a thumbs up. Like, share. Give a comment, all that kind of good stuff. <clears throat> really, because there may be other people out there that this is reaching. The article says from our friends over at apologeticspress.org, many Christians foolishly and hypocritically avoid the Bible's teaching on hell. Ah, it's just so negative. I don't want to hear about hell. I want to go to church and hear about all the wonderful rainbows and flowers and gummy bears. I want to go to heaven. We want to talk about heaven. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be meant to feel guilty. I don't want to be judged. Certainly don't want to be judged. I mean, Jesus said he didn't come here to condemn anyone. I don't want to hear about hell. It's scary to me. I want to talk about it. Never hear that one? I never said those things. But I've certainly had uh, family members say those things. Ah, Don't talk to me about that hell stuff. It scares me. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> wait till you go. <laughs> yeah, wait till you wait till you wake up there. <laughs> there, then it'll be really scary, and you can't avoid it. But it's not true, is it? There's no hell. There's no such thing as hell. So we don't need to worry about that. Jesus was wrong, and we're right. So the article continues. But refer reg regularly to Scripture's allusion to heaven. Yeah, because it's fun to talk about heaven. That's a good thing. That's uplifting. It builds us up. It's wonderful. It's encouraging. It's what we want to hear. We want to hear we're all going to heaven. That makes it easier for us to live in lawlessness and ignorance without feeling guilty. And then we can all die and go to heaven. But don't you dare bring up this whole hell thing. Don't you dare bring up this whole hell thing. Fire and brimstone. You fear-mongering. You fear-mongering troll you. Don't you talk to us about no hell or torment. And if you do, and if you do, just make it brief. 
and talk about hell not being everlasting. And I don't like it that way. I don't like this whole idea that forever you're going to be in a tormented place where there's outer darkness and extreme suffering. I don't want to. No, if at the, I, I might be willing to allow you to tell me about hell if it's uh, just going to last a little while. Like, you know, the, I mean, some teach that, don't they? Well, you go to hell for a little while, but then God's going to get rid of hell. So you wouldn't, it, it's not going to be everlasting. It's not, it's going to be just for a brief time. So, you know, you'll suffer for a little bit, but don't worry, it won't be forever. So go ahead, live in sin. You're fine. Many Christians foolishly and hypocritically avoid the Bible's teaching on hell, but refer reg regularly to Scripture's allusion to heaven. Yet... The article says from our friends over at ApologeticsPress.org, yet as Russell and many other critics of Christ are very well aware, according to Jesus and the Bible writers, eternal punishment is just as much a reality as eternal life. I mean, why do you think they hate Jesus and God for? And here we are as Christians talking about, ah, don't mention hell. After explaining... The article says here, after explaining to his disciples how God will separate the righteous from the wicked at the judgment, found, of course, quoted with the evidence of Matthew 25, 31 through 45, Jesus concluded by telling them that the wicked, quote, shall go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Chapter 25, verse 46. That's serious business, guys. Yeah, yeah, we can have our moments of humor and we can have ourselves a bit of, um, how should I say, um, lighthearted uh, discussions uh, in, in, in regards to very serious uh, uh, truth. But we can't do so void of knowing how deep this goes. It's important we understand these two paths in life. The article continues, Early, earlier he stated that the wicked will be sent away, quote, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. You see, here's where we're at, right? I'll, I'll show you a bit of my mind in my past life here. There's no denying that the Bible teaches an eternal, everlasting hell. There's no way around that. I know some who claim to be scholarly have done all sorts of word salads to try to have us think that the original language doesn't mean that, or this doesn't mean this, and blah, 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 blah. And let's not forget, you have individuals who claim to be of a scholarly mind will also have the Bible teach that it's okay to practice homosexuality, that's quite natural, and that so on and so forth. You can take the Bible if you are corrupted and you have an agenda-driven ambition that is selfish to your own desires, you can take the Bible and make it say pretty much anything you want it to say. Polygamists go to the Bible and say, see, uh, here's an example of someone who practiced polygamy, so therefore God, uh, he approves of polygamy, so I can have 2,894 wives. Well, you'll have the same thing with those who want to practice fornication, those who want to practice adultery, and sadly, a great many who claim to be Christians in the Lord's church will look you blank face and say, no, no. I can practice adultery because God says I can, and that's okay. Look, there's a verse somewhere. My pastor told me once. Let's just be real with each other. The Bible, the Bible has a message. It was 
created by an intelligent pattern, an intelligent mind. It was uh, set together as an orchestra that plays very well if you rightly handle it. It has contacts, and there's just no running away from it. it. It speaks of an eternal hell. And it also, would you know it, describes exactly who goes there and who doesn't. And so I was faced with this reality. Okay, so I can't deny the fact that there, this book speaks about an eternal hell. And Jesus fully, con <laughs> he fully believed that there was an eternal hell. There's no way around that. You'd have to be dishonest. And sadly, that's what takes place, dishonesty. So then we have to create these things. What can we create? I'll show you. Watch. This is how it works. Man, there's no way around this. The Bible talks about hell for those who live in lawlessness and those who do not believe in Jesus and follow Jesus and change. So here, here, here's the whole thing. You have to change your life, the way you think and the way you live. That's what this book is telling me. Man, I don't like that. It's telling me I have to change. That means I have to stop doing this, stop doing that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Or I will die in those very sins, those things that, that this book calls sins, and I'll be eternally damned in outer darkness and in pain and suffering forever. Even my sweet grandma. This is what this book is saying. That my sweet loving grandmother or mother or father or whoever. My sweet loving grandmother who's been a benevolent woman all her life. Upright and decent. Well respected and honored in the community. Somehow she left this earth and is now in eternal torment. Because she just didn't want to follow the image of the Christ according to the scriptures, but rather follow the image of the Christ according to men and their denominational oceans? No. So, therefore, I have to create something here. Follow me. Come on. Follow the train of thought. I can't accept this. So, therefore. Therefore, the Bible's corrupted. There's one. That's one. That's one we can use. We can use that one. The Bible's corrupted. Ah, oh, it's been translated so many times through so many years. I mean, who knows what it really says? Uh, uh, those words, uh, so men put that in there. Uh, the Bible is just uh, not trustable. The Bible's not trustable. So therefore, when we read things like that in the Bible, that tells us that we're headed towards eternal damnation. And we need to repent. That's, uh, that's all corrupted. That can't be true because a loving God wouldn't send anyone to hell. Well, except our enemies, the ones we really don't like. Maybe them. There's one, right? The Bible can't be trusted. That's a, that, that an argument? That work? I thought it did. How about um, even going further than that? There is no God. There is no God. The Bible's a fable. There we go. Got rid of it all. Got rid of it all. Don't worry, folks. We're all a bunch of animals. Live life as you want to live it. We go to the dirt, and that's all there is to it. It's all, folks. How about that one? Well, here we are. Ta-da! Welcome to uh, the full circle of our uh, human history. I don't want to accept what the Holy Spirit says in this book. So therefore, this book is not to be trusted. Why? Because there is no God. Well, how can we claim such a thing? Science. <laughs> science. Science told us. And we got to trust science. We trust our science experts, don't we? So this is the mind, of course, of individuals who have lived in rebellion and who still today live in rebellion. Well, I wanted to break from that. Well, I not necessarily break from it. I just wanted to know if there is any credibility to the Bible. Can it be trusted? Where do we get that book from anyways? Where did it come from? 
And why does it keep surviving after all ages? Why does it keep living? Why is it still going to be around when I die? Where did it come from? Who wrote that thing? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Truly? Is there a god? A devil? Is these, are these things real? Are we just an accident or is there purpose to life? Have we been created for something? Why, why are we here? To be born, live in lawlessness, receive the consequences of that and then die and that's the end of it? Is that how this works? We go back to the article, we keep reading. Earlier he stated that the wicked will be sent away into, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. That's what the Bible says. It's either true or it's not. You can either trust the Bible or throw it away and burn it. Live as heathens. Ask, seek, and knock. I know what that means now. Jesus said that. Ask, seek, and knock. Christianity is an educated religion, so you have to look into things with an open mind, mind you. Hell's fire shall never be quenched, Mark 9.43. I don't know what other words the Holy Spirit should have used to pronounce eternity. I mean, I don't know. Some, some Christians say, oh, no, hell's not forever. Well, I don't know. Someone should have given the note. Someone should have, someone should have notified the Holy Spirit and told them, hey, dude, listen, you're, you're putting the wrong words in there. Because shall never be quenched, right here, shall never be quenched. That sounds like forever to me. Into everlasting fire? That sounds like forever to me. Shall go away to eternal punishment? Eternal? That sounds forever to me. I don't know. The Bible's corrupted. Oh, it's just a matter of our own personal interpretation. Somehow, God didn't get it right. He was not smart and powerful enough to make a book that we can all understand. So therefore, you and I, we have to kind of, well, created in our own image. So there's where we fall again into the, well, my interpretation wouldn't be the same as yours, but we can all go to heaven together, can't we? Our kids see that hypocrisy, by the way. Why do you think they leave the church for? Just because? No, they leave the church because they see the hypocrisy and they see evil crept in unnoticed doing evil things. The figurative worm, which worm? Well, hell's fire shall never be quenched the figurative worm that eats on the flesh of hell's inhabitants does not die. Mark 9.48. Does not die. It's all language pointing to forever, eternal, never-ending. It's always going to be there. And the wicked who find themselves in hell, parentheses, due to their rejection of God's gracious gift of salvation through Christ... And that is indeed where the angle should be sought. Let me just, listen. If you seek the love of Christ, the true compassion, and the descriptive nature of the penmanship of the Holy Spirit in regards to words like love and what that truly means scripturally by God, who is love, and therefore worthy, a worthy author to describe to us what love truly looks like, Listen, if you seek that out, you will not be enamored in a life of fear in regards to lawlessness or hell because you will no longer live in lawlessness and you will no longer be headed towards an eternal punishment. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Yes, it is indeed a great motivation. For instance, the law. They tell you, if you do crime, you go to jail. And we say, well, I don't want to go to jail, so therefore I won't live in lawlessness. 
And then you put that aside and you live your life as a law-abiding citizen. And so you no longer live in fear of going to jail every day because you live according to the law. If you understand the love and compassion and security of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness, the free gift of salvation and redemption to mankind, you stay focused on that, then my dear friends, you don't need to live in fear of eternal punishment. Who needs to fear eternal punishment? Those who live in high-handed rebellion and lawlessness. Just a thought. Due to their rejection of God's gracious gift of salvation through Christ, quote, shall suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Eternal destruction. Again, these words. What other words should the Holy Spirit have used to convey uh, uh, the message? There is no other. That is the message. And the words are accurate, eternal, forever, never-ending. 2 Thessalonians 1.9 As it was in Sodom, when God, quote, rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all, even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Luke 17.29-30 It's going to happen again. Globally. Worldwide. At the second coming of our Lord and Master. When the trumpets will sound, and he will appear in the sky, and judgment will fall upon mankind. And that will be the end of time on this earth. Oh, it's all just a myth, isn't it? It's all a bunch of hocus pocus. None of this is true. It's all fables. Keep scrolling. Go, go on. Yeah, go on. You want to stick around? You want to see how far the rabbit hole goes? Morpheus. The red pill or the blue pill? <laughs> All right. Thus, the article continues, as Jesus taught, quote, My friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that can be done or that they can do, if you will. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Luke 12, 4 through 5. Should a murderer not fear law? Should a murderer not fear the judge that's going to send him to capital punishment or life imprisonment? Well, I'm not a murderer. Why are you trying to call me a murderer? No, no, I'm not using you. No, no, listen, I'm not a murderer either. It's the principle. It's the, it's the illustration to the principle. Why is it that we want to live one hour of goodness in our life and expect eternity in heaven? Yet we do not allocate that same logic. We lose reasoning when eternal punishment is in the, is in the equation. Well, I've only lived one hour or one day or one week or 10 years or 20 or 30 or 40 years of uh, lawlessness. Why would I spend eternity in hell? That's not fair. But yet you expect the same from God in regards to heaven. You lived one year as a decent human being, one day, one week. But you want eternity in heaven, though. Don't work that way. Justice wouldn't be fair. For justice to be operational, allowing us peace in life, it has to be fair. And at times, our own heart deceives us in thinking what's fair and what's not. We need to go to God. 
Burton Russell, the article continues over at our friends at apologeticspress.org, accused Jesus. He accused Jesus' preaching to be full of, quote, vindictive fury against these uh, those people who would not listen to his, Jesus' teaching or preaching. Quote, you do not. He contrasted, find that attitude in Socrates. You find him quite bland and herb urban, urbane, towards the people who would not listen to him. And it is, to my mind, far more worthy of a sage to take that line than to take the line of indignation. And he added, here within the quote, he added, I really don't think that a person with a proper degree of kindliness in his nature would have put fears and terrors of that sort into the world. I must say that I think all this doctrine that hellfire is a punishment for sin is a doctrine of cruelty. It is a doctrine that put cruelty into the world and gave the world generations of cruel torture. And the Christ of the Gospels, if you could take him as his chroniclers represent him, would certainly have to be considered partly responsible for that. Oh, amen, brother. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I'm not a Christian. Jesus would have never spoken about the dangers of eternal fire. He's just fear-mongering, isn't he? How dare our law enforcement, through our governing authorities and policies, how dare they tell us we can go to jail if we practice crime? It's not the way to live. To li how dare they say that if we steal something from a store, we might get caught and go to jail? How dare they say that it's against the law to rape and murder and do all these things and that we face perhaps life in jail or capital punishment. How dare they do that? We need to we need to create other policies. We have been, haven't we? We've been legalizing crime. And our politicians who are corrupt to the brim saying, see, crime's gone down. <laughs> well, of course it's gone down. You've legalized it. So there you have it, friends. The article continues, how can people believe and accept the message of the chroniclers of Christ? In other words, the gospel writers, when such accounts are full of hellfire and brimstone preaching. I mean, it's a logical argument, isn't it? Let's throw the Bible in the garbage. Burn it. Heathenism, here we come again. I had fun. Had fun as a pagan and a heathen. Let's go back to that. The carnal mind. The depravity of perversion. Wasn't it fun? We can go back now. Because, I mean, this man's obviously, his argument is logical, isn't it? It's reasonable. I'm with Russell. Well, of course not. It's just not the truth. It's a warped mind. And I know I used to have that mind. It's, it's interesting that scriptures, the Holy Spirit would speak about a renewal of the mind. It needs to be renewed, transformed, thinking differently. The truth shall set you free. The article continues, Consider four reasons why Jesus and the Bible's teachings on hell logically should not make anyone an atheist. First, Burton Russell stated that he did not feel that any humane person can believe in eternal punishment. And since Christ did, then he had a defect in his moral character. <laughs> it's interesting to me. How could we even have a platform for that argument? Really? 
We live in the realm of subjectivity. There is no up or down, right or wrong, God or devil, heaven or hell. There is no moral, moral standard. There is no law. But yet I find Jesus wrong for being morally bankrupt? How can I even take that position? I have no law to stand on. I had to come to that moment of epiphany, like, oh, wait a minute. I have no, like, when police officers pull you over, what do, what do they say? Stop in the name of the law. Well, Burton Russell here is telling Jesus, you're morally bankrupt in the name of, because I feel, because I feel you are. Imagine that scenario in a court case. Your Honor, this man is guilty of murder. Because I feel he is. Therefore, he has to be. And the judge would be, is that an absolute truth? There is no such thing as an absolute truth. I may be wrong. Who knows? But I really, 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 really feel like he's guilty because I personally just don't like the guy and I want him to be found guilty. That's what's going on here. There's no foundation. He can't say he's guilty in the name of the law through the evidence provided. That's why he needs to go to jail. You see, but Jesus did that, and we don't like him for it. Yet truth, objectivity, the article continues, and logical argumentation are not based upon people's feelings. And man, oh man, ain't that a blessing? Think about it. Atheists cannot logically condemn the Bible's teaching about hell as objectively inhumane and immoral. They have no law to go to. While simultaneously believing that human beings arose by chance from rocks and rodents over billions of years. You just have no foundation of law in which you can rebuke anything. Is murder wrong? Uh, there is no right or wrong. But I know Jesus is wrong. Well, how do you? Are there any absolute object? Uh, is there any objective absolutes in life? No. Are you, are you absolutely sure about that? Yes. You've just been canceled. Here's your sign. Go away. If an eternal supernatural creator does not exist then objective goodness and wickedness, justice and cruelty cannot logically exist. It's just, I had to come to terms with this. Are you a free thinker? Then think freely. Actual good and evil, fairness and unfairness can only exist if there is some real objective point of reference. Quote, some objective standard, which is other than the particular moral code and which has an obligation, uh, obligatory character which can be recognized. Indeed, the best that atheists can argue about the biblical teaching of hell is that they feel like it is immoral, but they cannot actually prove it. I know, because I couldn't. Couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Second, the article continues, over with our friends over here at Apologetics Press, Dot org. Before going there, please consider subscribing, giving a thumbs up, engage the content, give a comment, share the link far and wide, and please consider supporting. We continue the work through God's good grace and your willingness to partake, your willingness to support.
sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can support there monthly. Or send a donation through PayPal, addedsouls at gmail.com. I speak to those of you out there who are believers and recognize the value that this information needs to reach far and wide. Because perhaps there are others out there, like you and I, and like you and I used to be, who perhaps will find value and benefit to their lives with these sessions. Second, atheist. Back to the article here. Second, atheists and agnostics also fail in their assessment of hell because they fail to grasp what the Bible teaches about the reality, offensiveness, and severity of sin. This failure should come as no surprise because a person cannot have a proper view of sin without having a proper view of God and the Bible, and that indeed is the triangle. And if you lose or breach one of those walls, it's not going to make sense to you. Once a person comes to know that God exists and Bible is his word, comes to know education. He then learns that there are no white lies, innocent alternative lifestyles, or mere affairs. There is only truth or lies. There is only God's infinite infinite right way versus all of the prideful ways of man. And man is certainly prideful. I mean, we paint the sidewalks with our pride. We parade it year long. There is only one pure holiness versus repulsive unholiness. There is only light and darkness. And since, quote, God is light and in him no, there is no darkness at all, 1 John 1, 5, he uh, innately pure, His innately pure and holy nature will not allow him to tolerate lawlessness. Habakkuk 1.13, Isaiah 59.1 and 2, and 1 John 3 and 4 for scriptural evidence. Third, third point here to the article as we move forward. God's perfect justice demands punishment for wrongdoing. The Bible reveals that God is 100% just. There is nothing unfair about him. Quote, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your home or your throne, sorry, exclaimed, of course, uh, 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 the psalmist in Psalm 89, verse 14. Quote, also, all of his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright he is. Deuteronomy 32, 4. A just judge is one who shows no partiality. Deuteronomy 1, 17. And God, quote, shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe, Deuteronomy 10.17. A corrupt judge allows the guilty to go unpunished. Uh, We've been seeing a lot of that, haven't we? Why? Because we've gone godless. Why? Because we're animals. Why? Science. Quote-unquote science. A corrupt judge allows the guilty to go unpunished, while a just judge pronounces righteous judgment upon lawbreakers. Quote, He who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. Colossians 3.25. The guilty cannot buy their way out of punishment. It just can't happen. They can't flirt their way out of righteous judgment. Similar to how citizens of an earthly kingdom rightly rejoice at the pronouncement of punishment for the wicked. Humanity should rejoice that we have a just judge who also punishes evildoers. Paul spoke as such to his brethren in Rome in the first century. Chapter 13, if I'm not mistaken, verses 1 and following. We pay our taxes to the government so the government can practice capital punishment on evildoers. 
You're not an evildoer if you congregate on Sunday to worship God, despite the government's mandates and their slander against those who stand up for freedom and privilege, which was allowed to us from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Master. See, if you get rid of God, then you have to worship man or government. You see the problem here? You know why the government, a corrupt government, hates us now? Because we don't bow down submissive to the tyranny and oppression of a government who says that it is illegal to speak the truth of scriptural right and privilege and live according to its commands. In other words, our king is Jesus Christ. It's not a prime minister. It's not a president. It's not a king or a queen. And though the law, when upheld to punish evildoers, is active, it is indeed the ordinance of God and is a matter of salvation to which we must be submissive to pay our taxes so that bad guys get put in jail. And more accurately to what Paul was saying, again, in the first century, during the Roman oppression, you pay your taxes so that the law can practice capital punishment on evildoers. Don't ever believe that you're an evildoer as a Christian because you don't adhere to mandates from a political corruption stating that we must refrain from assembling together. Bit of an excursion there, but I need to drill that one in. We go back to the article. We read, quote, But wait a minute. A just judge wouldn't punish people forever, right? Well, says who? says the sinner who has a shallow, flippant view of the wretchedness of sin and the holiness of God. That's who. Says the sinner who did the crime but doesn't like the time. That's who. Says the person who is not perfectly impartial. Says the person who knows virtually nothing compared to the omniscience of God. What's more, aren't just, aren't just, are not just and fair sentences and punishments, even in the physical realm, often much, much longer than the amount of time the crime actually took to commit. You can burglar a house in five, ten minutes, but you might go to jail for five, ten years, maybe even more. Oh, that's unfair. We better tell the judge. Yeah, you go try to, you go try to uh, persuade the household owner whose house has been broken into, his privacy violated, and his belongings, some of them are charitable uh, 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 gifts of great sentimental value, never to be replaced. No monetary value, uh, amount can be replaced here. Now, you go try and convince him it's not fair. A man can murder an innocent person in only one second and yet justly spend the next 1.5 billion seconds or 50 years in prison. Well, that can't be fair. Yeah, you go try to tell the family who's lost a loved one to a murderer. Yeah, you, you try to do that. Certainly the thought of being punished forever and ever is a sobering, scary thought. But in truth, only the omniscient, infinitely wise, and perfectly just judge is in a position to decide appropriate punishment for unforgiven sin. In truth, a rejection of God based upon the biblical teaching of hell is a rejection based upon emotion, not evidence. And that's what we've been, that's what we've been saying, friends. That's what we've been going on. That's what's, that's what's going on. Fourth and finally, the article here from our friends at Apologetics Press. Fourth and finally, 
though, quote, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and though all sinners deserve eternal punishment, because of God's perfect love, no one has to go to hell. See, here, he, here's the hope. You don't need to go to hell. What's so sad is we want to go, don't we? Oh, I wanted to go. Couldn't go there fast enough. We want to go. Because we don't understand how deep and severe it is. It's a matter of the heart. Are we honest or are we puffed up with pride? You don't need to go. We don't need to go. A man died on a cruel Roman cross. An innocent man died. God on earth died. So that you and I don't need to go to hell. We need to believe in him and follow his instructions. And you would be pleased and joyful to know that it's a wonderful life to live. It's not void of challenges, ups and downs, and sorrows. No, <laughs> can't escape those things in this fallen world. But you can persevere through them, knowing that Jesus died for you and I. We don't need to go to hell. It's a decision you can make. Any religious body trying to tell you otherwise is lying to you. You can choose God has allowed us the blessing of free will, independent accountability with the intellectual capability of choosing because of God's perfect love, no one has to go to hell. God has given us an all-powerful spiritual lifeline, Romans 1.16. Indeed, quote, the wages of sin is debt, death, but... Here's where we like to see that one, right? But, there's a good but. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23. Some unbelievers love to talk about God's vindictive fury, but they willfully ignore the overall theme of the Bible, which is God is love. 1 John 4.8. He doesn't want anyone to perish. 2 Peter 3.9. God desires all men to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4. Again, if you live as a legal citizen of the country, why remain focused on a law that says you'll go to jail if you're a murderer? You're not a murderer, are you? Then focus on the blessings. Focus on the blessings you have as a legal citizen of the country. All the opportunities, the land of milk and honey. Why don't you focus on that? The only reason you wouldn't is because you are living lawlessly. From the moment wretched, uh, the, the article continues, from, from the moment wretched sin entered the world, God began revealing his answer to the sin problem. Genesis 3.15 and chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Following thousands of years of promises and prophecies throughout the Old Testament pointing to the ultimate, quote, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29, God sent forth his Son, to redeem the slaves of sin, to become children of God. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Quote, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, it don't matter your skin color, your language, your geographical location, your, your culture, your upbringing, it doesn't matter. Whoever, anyone who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It's not that folks can't choose to be condemned. It's that He don't want them to be condemned, and you don't need to be condemned. Believe in Him. John 3, 16 and 17. Indeed, God is so loving that He not only warned us of the eternal consequences of unforgiven sin, but even when we succumbed to sin, God took upon himself the punishment for our sins, that we might be saved. So why will many people still go to eternal hell? Because they choose to. I wanted to. We wanted to. We want to live in sin. We've been deceived to think it's more fun to live in sin for a brief period of time on this earth and spend eternity in hell than it is to actually live a good, decent, upright life for Christ, following Christ, and having eternity in heaven. We've been deceived by the devil to think it's better to go to hell than it is to go to heaven. And it's because we've been deceived to know the true love of a man named Jesus. True love. A friend who won't betray you. A true friend who gave his life for you. Because they trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was, they were sanctified at common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. Hebrews 10.29 Hebrews 10.29 Why would a loving God, or how can, a loving God sends souls to hell. Because he loves us so much, he allows us to choose. You want to go? Have at it. You know, today you can just walk outside and walk outside and murder someone. You have the choice to do that. You, you, you can think it, right? That intrusive thought, uh, I hate that person so much, I'd kill him. Well, you can. Pick up a fork, spoon, knife, gun, whatever. And do it. You know you can. You have the free will to do it. Many people do. But there's a consequence to that, isn't there? And you shouldn't be concerned about, oh, I don't want to get caught. You should be concerned that you're having a thought to actually act upon that temptation. God can help you with that. Jesus can help you with that. How can a loving God send souls to hell? If you want to go, he'll let you go. You don't need to go. You don't need to go. You don't need to go if you are a repentant believer who believes that the Christ is the Son of God, confessing Him to be your master, your king. You qualify. You qualify to be saved by Jesus Christ. You really do. You qualify to be saved by Jesus Christ. Going back to the tomb, do you have faith? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ that he can save your soul if you call on his name? Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. You don't need to go to hell. Put away the pride and have a moment of clarity. Awaken your mind. You don't need to go to hell. You can become a legal citizen of the kingdom of our Lord and Master Jesus Christ if you believe in him and are willing to repent of your sins. Confessing him as your Lord and Master, you qualify. You can be saved by him. Give your life to, to him and submitting yourself to be plunged, to be dipped, submerged, clothed, buried, 
baptizo, born again, out of water and the spirit, he will add you to his kingdom, a citizen of his kingdom. And if you happen to be in New Brunswick, Canada, reach out to us, the East Coast Church of Christ. You can check out the .com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. We have a Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. Friends, you can reject this. You can call it all kinds of names. You can mock it. You can ridicule it. You can say what you want. It's still there, and it will be tomorrow. It'll still be around if you and I pass away. It's the truth. Sets us free. You don't need to go to hell. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Do what's right. Reach out to us if you'd like to study these things farther, further. Uh, and uh, that'll do. Our session's gone a bit over over the hour, but that's all right. That's all right. I've been talking about some important stuff. Again, that article was from our friends over at ApologetExpress.org. If you want to check out their content, their material, by all means do so. ApologetExpress.org. Over here at itssouls.com. My name, Stefan Maillet. We go live from Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. And you can look at the itinerary and see the themes of the days as you move forward. Please, my dear friends, consider supporting the work. We can only function forward through His good grace if you have the compassion to give for this effort. You can sign up to itsouls.locals.com. You can sign up and no amount is too low or no amount is too high. You can support there monthly. You can give donation through PayPal. The address, souls at gmail.com. Stay focused and stay positive. My dear friends, we shall certainly see each other again shortly. Lord willing. Peace out.